1: He was in constant communication with the Father, even though he knew the Father's plan because they were in relationship. And that's what God wants with you is individual, personal relationship because he loves you. And prayer is the first key to that.
2: It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode.
0: Men in the Arena Army. We salute you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with my producer and good friend and brother from another mother, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? Doing spectacular. Spectacular. All right. Hey, I want to push the guys over to our website uh, to grab a copy of our bathroom book for men. That's a free download for you guys. It's a daily devotional. I just think it's an outstanding resource. So make sure you head on over to do that if you haven't done so already. And, uh, you know, I'm excited today. We got. Uh, Jack Levine back on the show. We had a great interview with him a couple weeks ago, and we just weren't able to cover all of the material that we thought our men need to know. And so we've asked him to come back. He's graciously agreed. So I'm really excited because now we're in a period of time, Dale, where uh, guys are really struggling. Uh, Social distancing and isolation has caused an upturn of – addictive behaviors. I went online and did some research and it's frightening how much um is going on out there right now and these guys our guys really need some help and so I uh, wanted to bring Jack back on but before we do that do you have a man word for us today? You yes, I do and you need to guess it so
3: Yeah. Uh I'm going to call it recovery. That's good. That's really good. Is that it? No, I'm going to go with uh seasoning oh dude what that's such a cop out <laughs> Just so our listeners know, after our last podcast with Jack, he sent us some seasoning that he makes, and so I'm stoked to use it and and I used it because uh that word because men uh Christian men we are supposed to be seasoning we are supposed to be the salt of the earth, the Bible says, and so uh. I just challenge men, go out and season the world uh, with Jesus and and be that. So what do you think of that, Jim?
0: <sighs> yeah, I don't know, man. I think you're reaching there. But, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I make seasoning myself, so I'm going to send Jack uh, some of our seasoning. And uh, I think uh, so his is a red seasoning. Mine is a garlic base. So we'll see what he thinks about that. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to have him on. And I think you're right. I think we are called to flavor or to preserve our family seasoning in the days of Jesus had two, two, three purposes one was uh, used to preserve meats two it was used to season meats and once it lost its seasoning or preservative qualities it was used uh, it was thrown on the top of the ancient Palestinian roofs and it was used as a roof covering to uh I, I think to keep the uh uh Integrity of the ground. And so those are the three things. So when it's thrown on the roof, it's used, it's trampled on. And so we're trying to get guys right now who have, through addiction, allowed this world to trample on them. And uh, they are Mm. uh, right now not being used to the way they're supposed to be used and uh, they're going to be, we want them to find healing so they can be that seasoning preservative agent for their family. So uh, how's that recovery?
3: I just love how pastors can take anything and make a illustration uh, out no. of it. I know.
0: <laughs> they should, instead of putting a DM before a pastor, or an, you know, they should put a BS degree. So uh, <laughs> I can save this. I can save it. Oh, man. Just tell me what you want. I'll do it. I'll preach it, baby. Hey, anyway, um, am <laughs> really excited about today's guest, and uh, but do you have a, a shout out or a hero story today?
3: Yeah, I have a shout out here from Matthew Hicks, and uh, I'm not sure where he's from, but uh, I got on here a, a little message that he's just loving the man card book, and he's been giving it out to people and uh, the field guide and the podcast and all that stuff, and just wants to say thanks for what you're doing and uh, who you are to men. So thought s- it's a well. Out. Hey,
0: hey, let's uh, Matt hit us up in about two months. I actually rewrote that book under a new title and a new cover, and we've added about 5,000 words to it. It's called Strong Men, Dangerous Times, Five Essentials Every Man Must Possess to Change His World. And I think it's a, I think it's an outstanding book, and we want to send you a copy of that for free because you've been doing that. So thanks a lot, buddy. Sure, appreciate it. Hey, guys, uh, remember we had uh, Jack Levine on the show. Jack is in Win- Windermere, Florida with his beautiful wife of 20 years, Beth. Uh, Jack's authored nine books, including My Addict, Your Addict. And his newest book is the Addiction Recovery Handbook, which is going to be released. It's being released as we speak. And we're going to talk about that book today. And so he's also the creator of the online video program called Free for Life at Last. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, later here today. But super excited to have Jack on. Jack, how are you doing, man?
1: Jim, I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be back. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me back again to talk and minister to the guys, but great to be on. I'm so excited to be a part of this again. Thank you.
0: Oh, I'm excited to have you on. I've got a lot of questions. Uh, you sent this book to me and this uh, book is a uh, man. It's, it's a massive, it's a textbook. It's a, uh, I don't know, 300, 400, almost 400 pages, hundred thousand words. And I was able to crank through that thing But, uh, man, it was not an easy feat. So I do have questions. And the reason I have questions is not because I question the integrity of the book. It's just that I haven't walked through addiction Mm -hmm. myself. And because I haven't done that, a lot in the book was intriguing to me. And so we're trying to help our guys. Uh, There are guys listening to this program right now that have identified addictions or are struggling with addictions, and we want to help those guys. But let's start off with this, Jack. What would you say the guy listening, he's 30 to 50 years old, And he's like, he's really deep into a pornography addiction or a Mm -hmm. chewing tobacco addiction or an alcohol addiction. And he's just saying, I just think it's too late for me.
1: What would you say to that guy? Man, Jim, that's a great point. And and I think that Satan, you know, does that, puts thoughts in our minds that, um, you know, get us off base, distract us, and are meant to condemn us and harm us. So here's what I would say to that man I'd say, listen, imagine if you were in a room. And uh, you're in a room and there was a 17-year-old kid sitting there and and you both were dealing with your recovery and you're just looking at that 17-year-old kid. And let's make him handsome and say his father is rich and he's got everything. He's got his whole future ahead of him and everything's going to get handed to him and he's good looking and and he's got the whole world in, in his hands. And you're thinking, man, if I could just go back. If I was just 17 again, not 27, 37, 47, 57, if I hadn't blown all these years, thinking, man, I would give anything to trade places with that kid. That kid doesn't know how good he has it to be able to deal with addiction at 17 and have your whole life ahead of you. If that could just be me. And I would say to the man sitting there listening today, who's the older man, I'd say, yeah, well, he dies tomorrow in a car crash and you live 40 more, 50 more years. So you cannot compare yourself to anybody. You can't look at anybody else. You know, God's going to use you right where you're at. God wants to transform you. He wants to use you mightily. And we look at things from our perspective and our timing in human years. But God doesn't look at that. God says His ways are higher than ours. And to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So, you know, I would say, come on, guys, um, focus on yourself. There's hope for you. Don't give up. God has a plan for your life and it's to prosper you and give you a hope in the future not to harm you as he promises in Jeremiah 29:11 and and we need to trust God and go forward and he gives us the tools to fight and win this war. I hope this book is one of them and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about it.
0: Well, you brought up a really good point, Jack, and the point is this for a lot of addicts, I would imagine comparisons got them into this mess. I'm not as good as you. I need to have something to, so I can have my superpower and and, uh, man, comparisons, man, no marriage is the same. No person is the same. Nothing is the right. same. And God God has orchestrated that. And I think it's a beautiful thing that no two people are alike. And so, man, when we start getting to comparisons, we set ourselves up for failure, don't you think?
1: Yes. And, and I love, Jim, sometimes I get to talk to little kids before church, you know, children's churches, they call it. Yeah. And I love to bring in a And I talk to a lot of different churches. So uh, I love to bring in a box of Dunkin' Donuts with 12 different donuts in them. And I say, and I open the box and I say, kids, kids, which is your favorite? And I'll pick this one, that one, that one, that one. And I open them and I go, same guy, made them all. And he made him purposely and uniquely, individually and special. And, and men, that is how God made you. Uniquely and individually, who you are, the way you look, who you are with your life to impact the kingdom of God for his, for his kingdom, both eternally and here on earth. You have a purpose and a plan. Don't give up. Don't let Satan defeat you. There's a way out. And we're going to discuss that today and show it to you and hopefully point you down that road. And hopefully this will be a life changing transformation podcast today.
0: Yeah, I think it will be. I, before I jump into the book Addiction and Recovery Handbook, I, I want to talk about your video curriculum Free at for life at last overcoming addiction. C- can you I'm so intrigued by this curriculum, but I don't have a spot for it on the last two podcasts. Can you tell sure. us what this is about and and, and uh how, how does somebody this seems to be the the pilot ship for recovery in your ministry, right? I think
1: so, Jim. And and here's what happened. My father had dementia many years ago and I needed to learn about dementia real quick. I didn't know anything about it. And I I did my research and I studied and I learned and we dealt with it. But I thought, man, I wish there was just one place where I knew everything. And that's what fired me up to produce this video series. It's broken into four modules. The first one is my story, which a lot of it is covered in the book, My Addict, Your Addict. The second module is why addicts think and behave like they do. The third module is the addict's effect on the family. And the fourth module is the path to recovery. And altogether, it's about nine hours of video. And in it, we take people through, you know, every option, everything that has caused it, family members, how they're supposed to react. Once you understand why addicts behave like they do and think like they do, you can deal with it a lot easier. Plus, you know, it's not you who's crazy. You know, it's the addiction that's overcome your loved one's life or your own, and you can deal with it. So my goal in that video was to put everything out there, almost again like the gospel, Jim. You know, the truth of the gospel, the salvation story, Romans Road, however you want to say it, whatever, you know, pathway you want to use. The gospel is gospel. Jesus died on the cross because he loved us. God sent him uh, to die for our sins so that we could be united with God forever and we're to accept God in our hearts. We're born again, transformed this time of our uh, spirit, the first time of of our mother's womb. So that's the simple truth. So I wanted to make sure that completely, That if somebody watched this video, even if they chose not to watch my story, you know, that's okay. I think there's great insight in there. But the other three modules, why addicts think and behave like they do, the addict's effect on the family, we change family lives by teaching people, you know, how the family can behave, how they can handle it, what their choices are. There are choices, and they're very individual. I'm not sure there's a right or wrong, but they're very individual. But to not know, the problem we have in addiction recovery is oftentimes people have a problem, and they'll hear whoever talks first, If it's the AA guy, if it's the rehab guy, if it's the faith farm guy or this, and that guy is screaming, oh, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do because it worked for him. It's the only way he knows to recovery, but it may not be the most effective way for you. It may be, but wouldn't you rather know all the nine ways? Um, You know, if you have back pain and you go to a surgeon, he's going to say, I can heal you, but I need to operate. I can heal you today. I'm going to operate. The chiropractor is going to say, I'm going to manipulate you. The therapist is going to say, I'm going to adjust you. You know, another guy's going to give you drugs, the reflexologist, the acupuncturist, they all can heal your back pain all a different way. Some very invasive and some not. So if you have back pain, you know, I'm sure you don't want surgery first, but if you talk to the surgeon, that's what you're getting. And he genuinely believes truthfully, I can heal you. This is how I do it. So I wanted a way out. For everyone basically you know the bottom line on addiction what the choices were unbiased Jim I don't work for any rehab center I don't get paid to refer anybody to anywhere all my ministry I do I, I speak you know for free it's the it's passion of my heart I donate back when I'm given because I want people to know that I don't have a motive to sharing one thing over the other. As I don't care how you get well. I just want you to get well, and I want you to know what's out there and what's available, what works, what doesn't. And I hope I've given that information in that series. That was the goal of it.
0: Well, that's interesting that you say that because it sounds similar. It sounds that you have put on video what is also in the Addiction Recovery Handbook. It sounds like they're very similar. Is that, well, here's is that what close
1: to accurate? Uh, I don't, yeah. I mean, they kind of have the same, uh, end goal, you know, the, the same motivation to get you there, but here's what happened. So in, in my video program, it's, it's me talking, you know, really for eight and a half hours, sharing what I know and what I've read and what I've heard and how I put it together. And that came first. The video came first. Then one day I'm sitting in, in a board meeting for a charity called Down Manage More. We help uh, addicts here in a local Orlando area, nonprofit. And um, this idea came to me for this book, and I'm thinking, man, wouldn't it be great to hear all these different guys, the rehab guy, the therapist, the psychologist, the psychiatrist, the sober homeowner, uh, you know, the pastor, everybody and get their views on addiction, you know, and and what they think. And so what amazed me in this book was the themes that came through it and the different perspectives. Not everybody agreed on everything. There's a couple of things that, you know, people definitely had different views on, almost like think of denominations in the church, You know, we all agree we love Jesus, but we definitely have a little different interpretations of the Bible. So I think addiction is the same way, you know, based on experience. And and so I had the same uh, motivation to provide a source of information in one place. I think it's a lot different than the online uh, program in terms of presentation and understanding. I mean, you're talking to me in the video. I'm going to break it down. You know, you're going to get it one way or the other. We're going to communicate whether you accept it or not. I don't know. This is amazing to me. I learned so much in the book process and nobody knew what the other guy was writing about. I would reach out to each guy and say, some guys, I just said, hey, just give me your perspective. Others, I asked to do a specific topic like dual diagnosis or or effects on the family or or adolescence uh, because I wanted to make sure we covered that. So I think they're different. But look, just get one or the other. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, the bottom line is if you're open to receiving the truth, it's there in one form or the another, and it doesn't have to be from me, Jim, uh, you know, Jack Levine is not the, the all, uh, only expert on, on addiction or the only man there's thousands like you being a pastor, you know, every Sunday morning, we're all out there preaching the same word and God's Holy Spirit's using all of us. So if you truly want help, you need to reach out and God will place the right person in right, uh, you way know, in your life to get help. But you need to know what the truth is. You know, if you're going to New York, you don't want to be heading to California. You want to be headed to New York. You want to be on the right path.
0: That's really good. So so what I'm hearing you say is the books are distinct in many ways, but the one similarity they that the book has to the video series is that they do not point to one treatment for addiction, but there are many ways to get there. And so that I appreciate that. And then your book, in fact, had 18 different co-authors. 18. Yeah, that's really impressive. That's a that's actually that may be more difficult than writing a book yourself to get authors Mm -hmm. to collaborate. So let me ask this question, Jack. What is your why about this book? What are the distinctives about the addiction recovery book? How does it different than other books? Why did you see a need for this?
1: I saw a need for this because I didn't see information in one place, and most of these guys I knew personally—if not—they referred me to other authors. I trusted them, I valued them, I've worked with them, I know their hearts, I know their truth, and I just would. As as I'm talking to them and hearing their wisdom and truth, I'm thinking, "Man, I wish I could share this with other people. Other people need to hear Adam Bianchini talk about." what, what the, the, the effect of addiction is on the brain and how it rewires it. And hear Douglas Lidwell from Faith Farm talk about the transformed lives that he's seen. I mean, he's taken in the bottom of the barrel. People, prison, failed treatment center multiple times, nothing left. They're going into Faith Farm, a year-long program, and they're coming out, so many of them, with their lives transformed. And when I'm hearing Douglas and his wife, Heather, share these testimonies, And I know him. I know this is the truth. I'm like, man, this is amazing. And, 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 you know, the Louis Delgado's and and just Joe Bryant's different viewpoints. And all of them had something to, you know, contribute that was so valuable. I just wanted to put it in one place that any addict or family member of an addict, someone struggling as a loved one struggling could have this information. Um, You know, I'm going to meet with a guy tomorrow who's referred to me, 60-year-old man, uh, who's a crack addict. And, And a buddy of mine called me. He's known him. Uh, you know, for 30 years and say, can you help this guy? He's in Orlando. I said, sure. And, and we're talking to him. We're going to get him into a recovery place if he's willing to go uh, through the nonprofit. But I'm, I'm bringing this book with me. This is an intelligent guy. I mean, you know, I talked to him on the phone. I can see. I mean, he just he'll start to understand himself. When, when you have psychologists and psychiatrists, and you can get their view, the David Jenkins and Jared Kingletons and Carl Bengios giving you th- these views and understanding, oh, holy cow! You'd pay, you know how much you'd pay in therapy to get this information from these professionals. I mean, if you could even get them there. Um, so we we've taken this and, and and put it in this place, and it, it's just phenomenal. Um, you know, the, the voices that come out, the, again, the themes that came out. Were mind-boggling to me, and that basically was that, um, as you said, Jim. There's more than one way to recover it. That you need to treat the mind, body, spirit, and soul. You can't treat them individually. Um, You know that that is a critical part of it.
0: Well, you know, I got the book on Saturday, and I was, or no, I got it on Monday, and I was really, it wasn't what I thought it would be. It was a lot better because of this. Uh, I thought it was a treatment book. And it really isn't a treatment book. It's really a book with great resources for men and women, so that they can understand addiction. Uh, you know, now you you do list the steps in AA and NA, which I thought was great. But really, what you just said, it—I think you stated the goal of the book a few minutes ago. You said that that guy who gets it will start to understand
1: himself. Is that yes. the goal of the book? And those yes. who love that guy. Yes, understand themselves and the resources and the way out. Not just understand, hey, what got me into prison, but hey, here's what actually happens to me physiologically and psychologically and spiritually and emotionally. And now, and, and then they see themselves and go, oh, gosh, this is what was happening. I didn't even understand it. How did I get to this place in my life? You know, I'm so destitute and desperate and, and, and broken and, and beaten, and even if you're still functioning. But they know spiritually they're bankrupt and defeated and Satan's got them you know, in, in his grips. And, uh, and now we're, we're showing them how it happened why we're, it's like the backstage of the movie the behind the scenes and like pulling the curtain back and saying oh this is it now I understand and you mean I can fix this this is fixable this this is reversible yeah until the day you die until you die and I pray you know Jesus and you'll spend eternity in heaven if not uh, you know that's most important uh, but until that time yes it's reversible now, again, we always talk there's a consequence to sin. Yeah, you may have wasted years. I wasted 10 years, you know, but God has, has redeemed those years. As he said, I hope when he said to Job, he said, the second half of your, your life will be better than the first. But that seemed impossible. Job had lost everything. How could that be possible? His wife, his kids. But yet it was impossible with man. With God, it was possible. And I believe God will do the same thing, men, in your life who are listening today. It is not too late. There is hope. There is a way out, multiple ways out. Please pick one.
0: So in your so I yeah I really appreciate that man. I think I think that's the key to your message is there's hope. And so on page 144 of the book, uh, Dr. Jared Pinkleton, who's a psychologist, he said he said he, he defines addiction as three things. And I think this is important because last time we spoke with you, we defined addiction, and I think we need to go back and define addiction again. So any fresh listeners can go, okay, I I think I might have a problem here. So he defines addiction as three things, and I'm going to let you elaborate. One, anything that controls me instead of me controlling it. Two, anything that comes between me and God. And three, anything I regularly turn to or depend upon to medicate or soothe my pain. Anything you want to elaborate with
1: that, uh, Jack? First of all, Jared, amazing man, uh, worked with Focus on the Family and the American Association of Christian Counselors, and just an amazing uh, man. It's it's imperative to understand that um, these guys may have somewhat different definitions. And interestingly, a lot of the guys in the book are Christians, but not all of the authors are. There's some oh, okay. that are not. I don't know. This is not, this wasn't meant to be a Christian book. Uh, I have a lot of Christian friends and certainly the Teen Challenge, uh, Pat Manzo from Teen Challenge and Douglas Goodwell from Faith Farm are Christian guys. Um, Ray Alvarez is a Christian therapist and uh, Jared and Carl Benzio and David Jenkins. But, you know, uh, Keith Brooks, who wrote the chapter on spirituality, is not a Christian guy. And I purposely I could want his perspective. Right. Obviously. But, you know, why I did that, Jim, <laughs> is because there's, um, there's a lot of people suffering in the world who aren't Christians. And yeah. you know what? You know, of course, you and I know God is the answer to everything if you will accept him. Um, That's the first step. But some people won't do that. And and we still want to help them. You know, if if I'm a doctor and the guy has brain surgery, he doesn't have to be a Christian for me to save his life. I want to help him. So but anyway, back to Jared and his definition. So he's talking about anything that controls anything that controls us. And I think we spoke in in our last podcast and I said I want to repeat that, you know, when you're in the throes of addiction, you may be in denial to your family. And your friends and family may love you so much that, that they won't tell you, they'll let you get away with it. But you know you're trapped. You know you've sunk to these spiritual depths that your life is unraveling. So I think that's a great definition. <clears throat> There's medical definitions as well. Um, and we'll talk about that. But but to me, the most spiritual one is anything that comes between me and God. God says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will come. God needs to be first. So whether it's sports, work, a relationship, uh, an addiction, anything, a love of money, anything that's coming before God is an idol in your life and that will separate you from God's blessings in your life. Not from his love. God loves you no matter what you do. But it will separate you from his blessings. So, um, and stuff we turn to depend on to medicate or soothe our pain, that is our escape. That is what we're using to run away from reality. We're creating an alternate reality, uh, our own virtual reality by drugs or pornography or gambling, it is an addiction because that's what we default to all the time. It's what we think about all the time. Even if we're working in this, our, our brain has been hijacked by the addiction. It has taken over and, and consciously and subconsciously, this is affecting every aspect of our life. So I love Jared's definition from a spiritual perspective. I love it from a spiritual perspective. And, and and again, I just say that if you are a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, which would be the same, if you are a Christian, you do have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're probably not a Christian. You need to reexamine that. But if you have the Holy Spirit <laughs> in your heart, you know you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God with your action. You know it. You know your addiction has interrupted and is grieving the Holy Spirit of God. I get personally how hard it is. It took me three years after I was saved to overcome my addiction, and I was saved, radically saved, and I struggled to get to that point. It is a struggle. I know you love God. You know Now it's a question of am I going to trust him enough? Uh, you know, he's given me a way out. Am I going to trust him? Or am I going to let my flesh have victory over me? Is this addiction going to control me? Is my, is my flesh going to control me? Or is my spirit, the things of God, going to take control of my body, as the Apostle Paul says, we're to, we're to make our bodies a slave. Our spirit is supposed to control our actions. So we need to think spiritually and live spiritually. And I believe men, if any of you out there, and you pray and you say, God, do you want to take this addiction from me? God's answer is yes. And if you will let him, he will show you the path. He will show you the path, whether it's uh, long-term rehab, short-term, whether it's it's straight-out deliverance, which can happen, whether it's Teen Challenge, Faith Farm, AA, NA, which we have full chapters on NA and AA, you know, great programs. So um, all of them have different definitions of addiction. Um, Some, there's a medical definition that that is a code that the doctor will write that they, you know, agree on, the ANA agrees on, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the words are. It's like when I was sitting in Gambler's Anonymous and I'm looking around the table, and, and you know, for me it was sports betting. Another guy was the track. Another guy was, it was it was cards. Another guy it was just it, one guy it was a ten thousand dollars. Another guy was a hundred dollars. One guy played once a week. One guy played every night. It didn't matter the quantities or, or the or the times. It mattered where it had brought us spiritually, and that was to the depths of despair. It, it was ruining and sucking out our lives, hopes, dreams, futures, ruining our families, and and, and this was not the life we imagined uh, growing up and living. And it's not the life God had planned for us, and we need to take that back, and and God will will do that.
0: So in in that discourse, you mentioned the word hijacked. So I want to camp on that a little bit. So my question, this was really interesting to me, Jack, and I know this wasn't your chapter, but I think that you can speak in general terms. So let's talk about the prefrontal cortex, the hippocampus, and the limbic system. You just said— you know when you are in the throes of addiction you just said that adam bianchini on page 63 said something right. he he actually talked about being hijacked that's where that word was first mentioned in yes. the book on page 63 so here's my question cuz he says that once your mind is physiologically hijacked uh you are no longer essentially in control of the addiction now here's my question this really this is what got me going You said you know when you're in the throes of addiction. So here's my question. Is there a way to recognize when I am in the throes of addiction and to stop before I get my mind hijacked? I mean, because it sounds like when your mind is hijacked, that's the beginning of the end. Talk me through this process. I'm really, really intrigued. Yes,
1: yes, there is. The answer is yes. And um, Adam um, is a medical doctor. And I Uh saw him give a presentation in front of uh, hundreds of addicts and, and really kind of this chapter basically sharing them. And it was this Spock from Star Trek. You remember Star Trek? It was yeah. Mr. Oh, yeah. Spock. Mr. Spock had come down and explained addiction <laughs> to you. It was so undisputable, I couldn't believe it. And it was so crystal clear. And he would show you with diagrams and pictures of the brain because he's a medical doctor what's happening. So th- the answer is yes, Jim, because our, our desire it's sin. Jim, addiction is sin. And the answer for all sin is, come on, guys. You know, we have a choice. I mean, we have a choice to do this each and every day. So we're giving in to the sin in the flesh. Yes, the brain gets rewired. Um, Think of it as a blood transfusion. Hey, I have my blood and now I have other blood in me and now now the new blood is coursing through me. And, And now what do I do? So, you know, that becomes a major problem. It's subtle. Satan is very subtle. Um, you may not notice it happening, but it's happening. The addiction wants to come and it wants to take control. So your, your decision-making process, which is your prefrontal cortex, which is supposed to make intelligent decisions for you, is now is now not making intelligent decisions. Why? An intelligent decision would be I go to work and I show up on time and don't get fired. Um, that's intelligent. Intelligent decision would be I don't steal money from my parents or friends. I don't tell lies. You know I don't want to end up in jail. Those are intelligent decisions. But the, the addict's brain doesn't think like that. And he may and the addict may not say to himself hey i want to go to jail i want to lose my job but the the addiction is saying to him you have to have these drugs these drugs are your salvation these drugs are your friend these drugs are your comfort these drugs understand you the people don't understand you everybody's hassling you and, and your boss and your wife and everybody's making your life miserable nobody understands you but the drugs are your comfort they're your release They're your escape they're your escape so now the brain starts to think about that remember the brain the mind wants to stop us from feeling pain. When you go to touch that stove and it's hot, your finger feels it hot, about a second later, your brain says, oh, crap. I just got the message from the nerves. This is hot. I'm going to pull away. Good idea because you'd like to keep your finger and don't want to burn it off. But with addiction, it, it, it now the, the brain has become rewired. Your brain has become rewired so that the goal is to escape pain. So what is the pain that you are avoiding with your drug use and addiction? That's a psychological therapy issue we need to get to to find out what the issue is. But now the brain is saying, I just want to stop you from feeling pain. So we're going to do anything we can to get you back into this addiction. So it's been rewired and hardwired now that the addiction is in control to play out the addiction. Jim, we have people who have fake medical diseases and some who have real medical pain. Some of this pain isn't fake, but it's subconscious. The addiction is causing a physical pain and the mind can do this back pain, migraines, stomach pain. You know, in the old days, everybody had ulcers. You don't know anybody today who has an ulcer, do you, Jim? Nobody, none of your friends, none of your parents, nobody has ulcers, right? Why? Because it came out that ulcers are uncool. They're caused by stress. So it's not cool to have an ulcer. So, so nobody has ulcers anymore. Now, now we have migrants and back pain, by the way. The number one incidence of injury in the country is back pain. Most of it comes into 30 and 40-year-old men. Well, if it was a degenerative disc disease, all the 70-year-old and 80-year-old men would have it. No, because it's time you have all the stress in your life. So the mind creates these situations to get what it wants, which is the drug. And if it has to have physical pain to get a prescription, it will. It will do anything. So the brain has been hijacked. It's only focus is now focusing on the addiction. And that is what you think about. That is what it's programmed to do. And your short-term memory and your long-term memory, you know, which we talk about as well. How did you pronounce it? The amygdala, the hippocampus, if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, And Adam describes these in the chapter. The brain is rewired too to program those to give you memories, good memories of your drug use. When people hit bottom or screw up, and for me, it was putting my car through a fence in a blackout and almost dying one night. Um, we're very remorseful that that day or the next moment, you know, when a guy's carted off to jail and he's caught or he's busted and you know, Oh, I'll do anything. I'll do anything for a couple of days until the pain wears off. And then, then the programming in the brain is back to, yeah, but you want this comfort again. You want this pleasure again. It's a lie. It's been rewired, reprogrammed. Think think of your computer. You know, if you put in a different software, you're going to get a different result. So we want to put in the God software. We want to put in the software that says we have value in life. We have purpose in life. We want to use our our, our brain and intelligence for for health and good. And, you know, when you see it explained, when, when Adam, who, by the way, passed away, um, unfortunately, before this book was published, but uh, but his legacy will live on through this. When you hear it explained, it's undisputable. So now the addict is walking in there and he reads this chapter and he goes, oh, my gosh, now at least I understand why I'm behaving like I do. I just didn't even know I I was doing it. Think of the drunk guy, you know, who's now he's drunk and wasted. Oh, you're the greatest. He was stumbling over everything. And the next day he goes, what did I do? I don't even know. He sees a video and he goes, holy cow, I can't believe I was doing that. Yeah. When the alcohol hijacked your brain, you started to behave differently. Everything you knew went out the door. Everything you thought, all your morals, all your values, all the law, none of it mattered anymore because you were now under the influence of the alcohol and that controlled you. That's exactly what happens with addiction.
0: That is really scary uh, to realize that. And I've seen that in loved ones who became addicts, and they're doing things they don't want to do, but they do them, and they can't explain why they're doing them. So you, you, just, you just shared, Jack, that—and uh, you shared this on the last podcast we had with you—that you, at one point, in a blackout, put your car through a fence. You also talked about, in the height of your cocaine addiction, at the euphoric stage Thinking that if all national leaders just used cocaine, we'd have world peace. But then that disintegrated to a point where you were completely paranoid, and you thought the Domino's pizza man somehow worked for the CIA and he was going to take you out. So, yeah. so I want you to I want you to explain uh, something called euphoric recall. Why is this so powerful in the life of an addict, and why is it so dangerous when we think about addiction?
1: Man, Jim, it, you know. <sighs> When I think of gambling and drugs, and the euphoric recall is to only recall the best of time, the, the yeah. first high, the time I won. You know, uh, in gambling, you're not thinking, "Oh, I'm going to lose my money." You know, you're going to lose. I mean, you may win today, you may win this week, but you know it's a losing bet. But yet, you're not there for the win or loss. You would think, "Well, of course I'm there to win." Or lose. No, you're there for the action. When you're making that bet, it's the same as injecting a line of cocaine, a- and and you know that euphoria that came from that clarity of cocaine, you would think that if I didn't get that effect anymore, yes, at one point when I started doing it, I said, oh, this is great. I think all world leaders would have clarity and I loved it. You would think when I started to experience paranoia, I would stop. I'd say, well, okay, I was having a, no, you know, how sick is that? How sick is that? That's exactly right. That is the sickness and disease of addiction. It is a disease that comes over you like the flu or like cancer that, you know, has come over you and now it controls you. So that euphoria of that high of thinking, look, you know, I, I, I can get back there. I can get back there. Maybe I have to do more. You know, that's why the, 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 the risks increased, the amounts increased, the, the, the time you might do it more it might increase. Now, a lot of times with drugs, people die. They do too much and they die. And you're seeing this in Ohio. You're seeing it across the, the country and, and the world that we're having overdoses like never before because the drugs are cut to fentanyl or, or it's heroin or it's meth or it's, it's not just too much pot or, you know, too much alcohol. You could die from alcohol. A lot of people do. So, yet this is the, I, you know, Jim, and you said it best today. You said you haven't experienced it individually. And yeah. uh, thank thank God you haven't. But I can tell you that and that's why so many parents and loved ones struggle with addicts because they can't understand how somebody could freaking behave like this because it makes no sense. It's actually the stupidest thing in the world, but they don't have the disease. It hasn't overcome them. And the addict, you know, is sitting there chasing this high chasing this euphoria. His brain is giving them that picture of, oh, this is great, you can get there again. Of course it's a lie, but the addiction is taking control, and it's lying to get what it wants. Here's what the addiction wants, to stay in control. Think of of Satan possessing someone. Satan, you know, demons don't want to get kicked out, right? They'll fight hard not to get kicked out. They'll do anything they can. That's exactly what the addiction is doing to, to the person that it's taking control of. Now, it doesn't mean that we can say the person has no responsibility, you know, for his actions or his life or he's off the hook. You know, and the example I use is a guy has a heart attack and the doctor, you know, we say, oh, poor Joe, he had a heart attack. And, uh, hey, the doctor saves his life. And he says, now exercise and eat healthy and you will live long and prosper. And the guy says, no, I won't do that. And he has another heart attack. Now we say you're an idiot. You know, the first time we had mercy on you, <laughs> you, you know, you were sick. That, but now you know what to do and you're not going to do it. Come on. That's ridiculous. And uh, I believe that's what God is saying to you guys today, men, in love, that he loves you. And, you know, he just wants you to do the right thing. He, there's still time. It's not too late with God to turn back to God. It's not too late for you today to make this decision. You don't even have to read the book. You know, just be nice if you did, but reach out to someone, you know, call NARA, call a therapist, go to counseling, go to celebrate recovery. Check yourself into rehab. Go to Teen Challenge or Faith Farm. You know, do something. Take one of the eight or nine ways out of recovery and start to walk down that path. And if that's not the way for you, you know, we'll find one of the other ways that will work. But there is a way. And the first one can usually be the right one if you're directed. OK, to. so
0: I want to I want to ask a question based on that statement. Because your book doesn't lay out a specific plan of action, it lays out a lot of uh, amazing amounts of information. I mean, this is really a textbook for recovery. If a guy is listening right now and I know there, there are many listening who say, who have identified themselves as an addict or an addictive behavior they thought was gone during the pandemic has come back in their life. Give me uh, just very simply, I want this to be very simple. What are the first three things that guy needs to do?
1: Okay, the first thing is to admit you have a problem. You know, confess it to God. Admit you have a problem and ask God to help you. Ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, if you are a believer, to show you uh, which way is the right way for you. Ask God for deliverance. Ask God to take this addiction from you. And he very well may. He doesn't heal everybody supernaturally. Some people he does, some he uses doctors and therapists and counselors and rehabs, AA and NA and Faith Farm and Teen Challenge and Celebrate Recovery and, and, and go into one of these places. Any church, anywhere you are in this country today, there's a local church that has a Celebrate Recovery meeting once a week. May not be every church, but there is a church in your town, probably multiple churches that have Celebrate Recovery meetings. There's an NA or AA meeting in every city in the country, everywhere you are today. Go on the NA or AA website. Go go. You know, go on, you can go on to an online meeting. You can do this online. My recommendation is to get into therapy and and, and a 30-day rehab if you can, because you get out of your life and you get to get with a therapist and really find out what the cause of your troubles are and what is making you do this behavior. What pain have you experienced? What is your mind trying to take you away from? Um, Some people need 90 days. Some people need year programs like Faith Farm and Teen Challenge. Um, Some people, AA and NA can do it, some just therapy. There are outpatient programs. Uh, I don't really recommend those because it's hard to stay in the lifestyle you're in of work and pressures and really get to recovery in a timely manner. But if you're not going to do anything, then do that as opposed to nothing. It it can work. It's not as good as the others, but it can work. It's good for aftercare. Outpatient is great for after. Um, so, So all these ways are available. So first admit you have a problem, ask God to help you, and then the most important thing, Jim, step three, take action. Take action. Hey, imagine if you just thought about uh, getting a girlfriend and getting married and having a family one day and you never asked a girl on a date. Imagine if you thought you were hungry and you thought about having a slice of pizza or a burger and you never went to the store and ate one. Hey, you may have a bad burger. You may not like this guy's pizza. There's more pizza places, more burgers. It's not going to stop you from eating. So let's go. The question is, you know, take that first step. And that is the key. You take that step. We talked about in our other podcast, the prodigal son turning back to God. You take that first step back to God and do the right thing. <clears throat> he will come right alongside you. He will hug you and love this knot out of you and bring you the whole way home. He will put people, places and circumstances in your life to bring you closer to him. He will put the right people in your path. You will have discernment and wisdom to discern what is right and what is not. And, and and you know, God is God is with you. God says I'm with you always, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And the last reminder, Jim, is that you know, we need to remember who we are in God. God sees us wholly blameless and above reproach, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see us in our sin-soaked flesh, crappy attic jack. He sees me, no, quenched in Jesus's righteousness. And that's how we are to see ourselves, not because of what we do, but because of what Christ did for us. And we're to accept that and walk in it and be the king's kids and, you know, live this abundant life. God said, I come that you have life abundant and life eternal. God should be joyful always. Leap and rejoice. Your salvation is assured. That is the mindset of the Christian. It doesn't mean you want to have problems or issues, but it means you have God with you dealing with them. And um, that, is, that is the key to life. You know, If you went to McDonald's and you, you ordered Big Mac and you were starving for lunch, and you ordered everything, you couldn't wait, and you realize you left your wallet at home. And, and you know what? You're not getting lunch today. They're not going to feed you. They don't know you. But, you know, if you have a freezer full of filet mignons, you're going to laugh at not having lunch. You're going to go, oh, you know, this stinks. I'm hungry. I want to have lunch. But you know what? Tonight when I get home, I'm having two filets. That's the kingdom of God in our lives. That's how we're to look at God with us. You know, yeah, we're going through trials and tribulations. God said he'd be using them to mature us. So we'll be mature and complete and lacking nothing because we have the kingdom so and we have God. That's really good.
0: So you mentioned a couple times about Teen Challenge. And I I love Team Challenge. Uh, Pasco Manzo, the president and CEO, uh, what a tremendous work! In his chapter, he said something that I initially disagreed with, but now yeah. after listening to you, I'm understanding why he said what he said. So he laid out some myths of uh, addiction, and on page 286, he said myth number one. So when you the number one myth is usually the number most the most important myth. So number one myth is drug addiction is not the individual choice. When I first read that, I thought I disagree because now we're removing the power of responsibility. But then what I realized was addiction in itself is a disease. And once we move beyond party mode and our mind is hijacked, once our mind is hijacked, we now – Lose much of the ability to choose. Am I on the
1: same page? Am I getting close here? Oh no, that's great, Jim. So, so let's distinguish that in the beginning, when your mind hasn't been hijacked, it is definitely your choice, and you are choosing to sin. You are choosing to engage, you know, in, in, in something that you know God doesn't want you to do, that you know you shouldn't do, and thinking, as we talked about, you know, that you can always come back and come back to God and he's there and I won't go too far and I won't get carried away and I'll be okay. Um, That is a choice. You're you're walking in and choosing sin. I I, I use that. I always say, listen, you see a pretty girl walking down the street. That's a pretty girl. There's no doubt about it. That's where it should stop. That's where when God says take every thought captive and give it to Christ, I should stop there. I shouldn't look at the girl and start to undress her in my mind and think it would be like to have sex with her when I'm a married man, even though I'm not a married man. Now I'm stepping into the arena, in the bad arena. <laughs> I'm stepping <laughs> into the arena, Satan's arena. I'm stepping into the wrong arena and I need to walk past that. So that was a choice. And and if I continue to make that choice, I'm going to get to the point where one day, as I described in the first podcast, there came a time, I don't know if it was two years in, three years in, somewhere along the line, I realized one particular night that I was over the line and I couldn't get back. I was always able to come back to, to ground zero and this time I realized Satan had me. And for the first time in my life, I realized I, I can't get back. I'm trapped. And I knew it. So, but it was a series of bad choices on my part. But yes, once the addiction takes hold at that point, it, it's not your choice. But you had asked me earlier, you know, do you have to go the full distance to get out? No, you can stop it anywhere along the line. Your elevator doesn't have to hit bottom and crash. You can press the button at any floor and get off. You you can do that. You do not have to experience death jail, loss of loved ones, family, uh, your, your future, your dreams, your hopes, by the way, you will experience all of that or most of that if you do not stop. There's not even a question. Um, you know, if, if you bake a recipe with your seasoning, you know what the outcome is going to be. So when someone who hasn't cooked that recipe and bakes it and says, well, Jim, that's not going to be the outcome. You know, it's going to come out different for me. You're just laughing like, no, it's not. You know, this is what's going to happen. And I find, Jim, that if I can point to addicts and tell them, look, this is the path you're going to go down. This is how it's going to happen. That as they can start to see that happening, perhaps they'll, they'll, they'll say, okay, I don't want to go all the way. I, I, want, I want to stop now. I don't want to feel all the pain and possibly die. So you just said as
0: if they can stop as they can see that happening. That takes me back to Jared Pingleton's chapter And uh, he mentioned something that most of us have heard before, but he added something I've never heard before. And I think this may be the kiss of death for our technological renaissance. He talked about triggers and recognizing triggers, and he used the acrostic halt. But then he added a letter that I'd never seen before, which really makes more sense to me than the other four, which is the letter B. So the triggers are hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and the B is bored. Can you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah, and and I can relate to to tired, certainly. I I know that, you know, the older I get, uh, when I am tired and run down, you know, uh, my my personality, my decision-making starts to change. I, I can just sense it. Boredom, man, you know people were meant to connect in life and be a part of community and love. And, and you and I know that it's in the giving you receive and where to serve others as Christ served and wash feet and live servants life. but, but you know, when you isolate, addiction is isolation. It's the exact opposite of community. It's isolation. So here you are in boredom. You may have a video game. You may be gambling. You may be using drugs, but, but you're bored. You don't have a society. You don't have a social connections. You have a dysfunctional family that that you're a major part of causing and uh, or dysfunctional some relationships or relationships with other addicts, but you're bored. So so what do you do? So you default to the drugs and and the great rehab saying is there's comfort in familiar pain. Why would somebody do it? Because there's comfort in familiar pain. So boredom, I think, is critical in in mental hospitals um, when they get people who have had nervous breakdowns. The first thing they do is get Mm. them active. Make, you know, keep them busy, get their mind to stop thinking uh, about all these things that they, they're thinking about. So I think boredom is, is a killer. I think tiredness, hunger, too. I mean, it goes back to the point in the book, Jim, that you need to treat the entire person, spirit, body, mind, soul, all of it. You can't treat one aspect and, and, and expect to succeed in recovery. And unfortunately, some disciplines try to do that. They try and treat one or say one is it. And that's why sometimes NA or AA don't work. Uh, you can be sober if you follow the program. And many people have had tremendous success. I love NA and AA. They're tremendous programs. Go today to a meeting. You will be blessed and be part of that program. But you understand as part of that, you need to get to the core of why you do these things. So you could go to NA or AA, follow the program, stop drinking, and be more miserable than when you drank because you never got to the core of your issues. And, and so you're, you're mm-hmm. angry and miserable you don't have the drugs to calm you down. So we need to to, to, do our spiritual, our our physical, our psychological, our relational. We need to the whole person exercise. Eating right. It's important to take care of our bodies. You know, our our minds, we need to exercise our minds and discipline our minds. So it's all part of this whole person. We don't just treat the flesh or the spirit. We need to treat them together.
0: That's really good, man. The whole person. So that reminds – so you just said that the first thing you do is get a person out active. So when we see uh, you know, a person is hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or bored, let's get them moving. Let's help them to find holistic health and holistic treatment. Uh, I, I really enjoyed Alvarez's chapter, and he addressed six areas that he said are, quote, highly affected by addiction. So he looked at addiction as a whole, and he identified six areas where people who are struggling with addiction are highly affected. And so he identified those areas as spiritually – you just mentioned this, Jack – spiritually, physically, socially, cognitively, emotionally, and financially. And he added the financial one, which I thought was really good. And then what he's done is he came back alongside of that, and he said, okay, so if these are the areas highly affected by addiction, how can we battle each of those areas and and tackle each one individually individually? So I'm going to just read and and basically I've called these he called them pearls. And right. so I changed the I changed them I changed the title to Pearls of a, of Wisdom for Those Battling Addiction, which I thought was kind of fun. So I'm going to so it. so so I want to just ask you about each of these and then we're just going to close our day together. It's already getting close to the end here. So he talked yeah. about dealing spiritually his his P for spiritually is prayer. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I, I think prayer connects us to God. It's when we talk to God and, and gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to respond through us. And, and it's imperative. It's, it's imagine, you know, you and I being in a house and never saying a word to each other what kind of relationship is that we could actually be together and have no relationship. And that can happen to a lot of believers who who have shut out the Holy Spirit in their life by focusing on the things of the world, addiction being one of them. So prayer is always – Jesus did it. He demonstrated it. He was in constant communication with the Father, even though he knew the Father's plan because they were in relationship. And that's what God wants with you is individual personal relationship because he loves you. And prayer is the first key to that. And God hears prayer. God hears that.
0: And I I want to add to that that it's not only a time for me to talk to God. Maybe even more so, it's a time for God to talk to me and remind me there's an amend I need to make. Uh, There's a a trigger that's been hammering me, but just allowing God to talk to me. So P, that's the P, prayer. The next one is to address the negative effects on us physically, and he talked about the value of exercise. What have you experienced
1: there, Jack? critical um, a a to feeling good about yourself. I, I mean, imagine if you said, hey, I'm overweight, I have a problem uh, and, and didn't do anything about it. So when you exercise, you start to feel better. And you and I know, Jim, when you go into the gym the first day, you haven't gone in, in three years it's, it's hard, it's painful, your muscles are sore for a couple of days, come back 30 days later, man. You are so fired up to be in that gym. What you were dreading, you now can't wait to get to because you're starting to see the result and feel good. You're starting to develop those muscles. Exercise is critical, not just for addicts. For, for all of us in life, it gives us clarity, yeah. it keeps our heart blood pumping. So I, I think that is a you know mandatory part of uh, life and the process.
0: Well, and it's really interesting, Jack, because you and I, Uh, I've, I have a a sister who was an addict for years. I had a grandpa. I've been around a lot of addictive behaviors and there's two things about addicts that I want to draw out when it comes to physically. First of all, uh, if you work, science tells us when we work out in the mornings, we have 30% more energy throughout the day. So there's, there's an, an an adrenaline or an an energy dump. And the second thing is this, and this is where I think is really interesting. There's an endorphin dump when we work out that, that that gives us a high that we wouldn't normally have. I would think that addicts would be the best runners in the world, man. They're out there just charging hard, baby, charging hard. And so exercise is so important. I think sometimes we neglect that. We don't speak about how powerful that is on the mind of an addict.
1: Yeah. And there's so much talent and so much beauty in the lives of addicts oh. and, and just, it's just me and you and Dale and all of us, it's guys like us who got kidnapped and uh, yeah. fortunately, there's a way out. Well, I love the phrase hijacked, man. They got to a point
0: where they no longer, they lost control. So the next one, so P, pray, E, exercise, A, and this is kind of the no duh, but I, I think it was really worth, so this is dealing with a social aspect of. Of our addiction. And he's just saying, guys, attend
1: an AA meeting or anything like it. Attend. Get out there. And even if you celebrate recovery, even if you don't say a word, just go and be around other people. When you start to hear other people and you hear they have the same problems and things you thought were only in your own life, in your own mind, and you see other people struggling who have compassion and and want to help and and to be there and listen, you feel part of a community. You come alive again. Look at this coronavirus. People are getting depressed, not addicts. People get depressed because they're isolated. Of course they're depressed because man was never meant to be isolated and separate. He was meant to be community and love. So absolutely. Get, get your butt to that, and you will be surprised. Uh, there are people there who will love you. You know, you can stay quiet if you want, but people will, will reach out to you.
0: And I love the fact with AA and NA, nobody's paid. Nobody's making money. These are just average people just battling through life. So I would, yeah, I think that's a great opportunity. So the next area, the fourth area, is cognitively. So the negative effects of addiction on cognition. And the R here is the word READ. What, what do you have? You found that? How have you found reading to help you in the addiction recovery process?
1: It gets your mind working again. It gets you thinking and processing a- instead of just depending on this drug to numb me out and take me into a different world where I can just chill, which is not really chilling anymore. So it, it expands your mind. It, it it opens you up, and again, it gets your brain thinking. Uh, a lot of I have friends who, who aren't readers, so they listen to audiobooks. That's okay. But something to process, something to get you engaged and topics that you like and, and, and appeal to you and come back into humanity. You know, start, start to do things again. All these things that you lost to your addiction, sports, social things, family outings, reading, you know, the, the loves and passions that you had, come back to and, and it, comes, it comes to action. Reading is a great idea.
0: So, Jack, is there science behind the fact that addiction stunts your mental growth i had heard uh, with marijuana it stunts that is that is that is that true
1: a hundred percent jim i uh, that you can google studies and, and they are there uh, there's no question your mind becomes satisfied with the effect of the drug so you're not looking to expand and grow anymore yeah in the beginning when you do pot you see all the colors and look at the clouds and everything is funny you know ha ha, ha. and then after a while you're just sitting there like an idiot eating cheetos you know, <laughs> nothing wrong with Cheetos. Like right,
0: no, I'm just saying. No, this is well. Th- no, that's more of a reason, more of a reason for a a man or a woman who's struggling with addiction to invest in the cognitive side of their life. And like you said, it can be listening to an audiobook. It can be reading. It can be listening to a podcast. Anything that's going to stimulate uh, your brain to grow and learn. Because I don't want to. I know this is a a word people don't want to hear. And, and there's a lot of pushback on this word, but your mind li- literally is retarded, like it's stunted in that moment, right, in that moment of time. So it's an appropriate use, use for that word, but the mind gets retarded because yes. of the drugs. The, the cognition, it needs to be stimulated to grow and to catch uh,
1: up. Uh, so you understand, and, and the guys out there understand. Listening, um, when you're first, you know, coming down or stopping using drugs, your brain isn't clear. Most of the experts will tell you six months to a year. They tell you don't don't get into a relationship with a member of the opposite sex for a year. Why? Because wow. your brain is so fogged from addiction, and that's a codependency thing. It's like another drug. You know, let me get hooked. You know, no, let's yeah. clear your mind so you can start making decisions. You know, first we just want wow. you to know, brush your teeth. Eating, you know, but we don't want really to make any life decisions, anything major. You're still in that fog. You stop using, but your brain doesn't rewire the next day. It takes time to get rewired the right way back.
0: No, that's really good, man. So we have, so as far as our pearls go, we have pray, exercise, attend an AA meeting or any other kind of meeting, read, and this one I love. This one was, this one was my favorite, just because it was so refreshing. To deal with the negative effects of substance uh, or an addiction on our emotions, we need to learn to laugh out loud.
1: Jim, there, there's it. no better medicine than laughter. Science has proved it. Medical science approved proved that people recover from surgeries and diseases better with laughter in their life. Go Google it again. It's there. Um Laughter, you know, God called us to weep and rejoice. Again, we're, we're to be happy. Laughter releases endorphins and emotions that you talked about and, and joy. And, and when you're smiling, it's almost impossible not to feel happy. That's a fake it till you make it kind of thing. And can you, when the addicts that you can think of in your life, any of you out there listening, none of them are laughing, boys. Not one of them is laughing. Yeah, true. No. They're crying and, and isolated and miserable and, and, and shamed and, and embarrassed and, and, you know, stealing and, and cheating and lying and have been, uh, you know, d- disclaimed by their family or some not, but, the, but labeled a loser in their own minds and probably by the people around them. They ain't laughing. And, and, and God wants you to laugh and enjoy and be joyful. And the drugs have kidnapped you and hijacked you, as we said, and had turned you into this person that you were never meant to be and that you don't want to be. And laughter is a great ticket. uh, Started getting out of that. Well, there's a lot of shame attached to an addiction, right? Shame and guilt and and feelings of less than. And again, that's why I said to, we need to see ourselves, as Jesus said, holy, blameless, and above reproach in the eyes of Christ. Satan is lying to us. God says there's no condemnation in Christ. And we're condemning ourselves, and Satan's condemning us and other people. And we need to default to the word of truth, Jim. We need to not believe, you know, what we hear. We're very good at disseminating fake news on the television or the newspaper. Oh, this is fake, or that can't be, or this is a lie. But, you know, when it comes to the word of God, we don't want to pay attention and seek what's true. That's not too intelligent. We need to focus and default to the word of God.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate uh, this, Jack, and I appreciate the book. And and I didn't hadn't thought about it when I was reading the book, knowing that you're a believer— but you're right this book does not target necessarily christians this is a book for everybody and i really appreciate the fact that you've opened this up and said hey anybody who has an addiction come to us come to the table we're going to take care of you and so i really appreciate that's another aspect uh, a holistic approach uh, oh, hey hey god has thrown a party everybody's
1: invited amen so, amen and god huge yeah. you know to lead them to him, saved or not saved, you're going to get to God. Jim, one very quick thing. I know we're out of time. I just want to share with you guys uh, the story of Naaman the leper and, and reference it to addiction. Well, yeah. If you don't know, uh, Naaman was a warrior in the king's army and he had leprosy. And in those days, if you had leprosy on your skin, you had to lead the community and you couldn't be a part of it. And this was a blow to him. So he... Gets uh, a suggestion from, from his wife's uh, maid that there, there's a, a prophet in, in a faraway land who can save him. And this, I'll make the story short. I'll give you the Jack version. You can read it in 2 Kings chapter 5. But uh, he goes to see the prophet. And he says, I have this leprosy. And the prophet says, OK, the prophet won't even come out to see him. He send, the prophet sends his messenger and says, OK, Naaman, you need to go bathe in the river Jordan seven times. Naaman is furious. He is so pissed off. First of all, he cannot believe that the prophet won't come out to see him. He, he's like insulted. And then he goes, what? Bathe in the Jordan River seven times? The Jordan River? That's like some bogus little, you know, not a real river. We have the, the Parfar River and the Abana River where we come from. Shouldn't I bathe in those rivers? And he's furious and he's, he's like, this is an insult. This is crazy. I wasted my time. And, and one of his servants says to Naaman, he says, Naaman, let me ask you a question. If the prophet had said to you, go do this ridiculously hard thing, Let's say he said, and I'm paraphrasing now, but let's say he said, put boulders on your head for five days and run around with 200 pounds on your back and you'll be healed. You would have done it, right? But he's told you to do this and and you won't do it. Why? It's too simple. So Naaman sees the wisdom, he bathes in the Jordan and he's healed. And the message for you guys out there is, man, this is simple. There's simple ways to recover. It's so easy. Are you like Naaman? That, that it's too easy, that, that you won't take it because it's too easy, that you have guilted yourself into thinking you need to do all these things and pay all these prices to ever get right with God. No, Jesus paid the price for you to get right with God. You're right with God if you'll step in it and walk in it. The answer in freedom for addiction is there for you. God says, "Whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. God says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. When you are tempted, God will provide a way out. We've talked about eight or nine ways out today that God has provided for you specifically and individually. And I pray that you would respond to the Holy Spirit today and take the step to freedom in life that God intended. You will never regret it. It's been 20 something years for me. And and man, thank God that he pulled me out of the pit. Thank God that there was a way out for me. It is unbelievable. I pray you don't miss this. If this is a glimpse of what what heaven's going to be like, I can't even imagine how great that's going to be because I see the amazing things that God has done here on earth. And I want you to have that and not miss it. Trust God you know, you've you got to get got to get in the game. You got to get in the game you, you can not sit there and, and not swing the bat. God's giving you a bat to swing, a life to lead, and uh, we want you to live it. And Jim and Dale, thank you guys for giving me this opportunity to share with the men today. Um, I, I hope it's been a blessing.
0: Yeah, it has been, man. I really appreciate it. I want to say uh, it's been an honor to be one of the first guys to read this book. And uh, to, to get my hands on it, it's going to be a beautiful addition to my library. And so I appreciate that. Uh, the book will be available, guys, on Amazon beginning of January. So by the time this podcast is out, it's going to be up and live for twenty two ninety five. So you can pick that up. Again, that's the Addiction and Recovery Handbook by Jack Allen Levine et al.
1: Jim, thank you. And if guys go to greathopebooks.com, greathopebooks.com, you can get the book for sixteen dollars. There's a discount code NOW, all capital letters, and it's twenty dollars on that's my website, greathopebooks.com. The book is twenty dollars. There's a twenty percent discount if you enter the code now. So you can get it for sixteen bucks if you care to do that. If so not buy it on so, Amazon, just get it.
0: So as far as by by saying enter the code now, we're not saying do it right away. We're saying the code is oh, you, NOW. Yeah. The
1: code is N O W. That's <laughs> that's why you're that's why you're the host.
0: <laughs> hey, who's on hey, hey, hey. Who's on first?
1: No, oh, no, no, he's on second. <laughs> and, uh, and and the Great Hope website is up now. The Great Hope Books is Great, up now. It's greathopebooks.com. Great Hope Enter
0: yes. Enter the
1: code
0: N-O-W. So oh, Jack, yeah, thanks for so much coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your heart for men. I really do appreciate that. So, guys, what's next? Let's get our boots on the ground. And again, guys, listen, if you have identified an addictive behavior in your life, get in to a group now just get in there guys we love you we care about you and man it's the new year it's 221 it's time for a new life it's time for a new start it's time for the best version of you to be unleashed on this world now dale drive us home brother Yeah, guys, we want you to head
3: on over to MenInTheArena.org and pick up your free resource just in the top right corner of our website. You have that. You just click on it and get it now. And also, we'd love for you to leave us a review. You can do that a couple different ways. You can do it on your app, your podcast app through Apple, or you could just shoot us an email at info at org. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game,
2: get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. Men in the Arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins.